Hey, audio listener. Thanks for tuning in to the Rock Church of Cerritos podcast. Hope you enjoy. Let's flip over to Mark chapter 16. We're going to talk about, well, we're going to continue this series called Journey. And uh, it's been going for a couple weeks. So if you missed it, we're in a series called Journey. And basically what it is is just what it suggests, the journey that we embark on and, and the things, the events that, that we experience. Today we're going to talk about water baptism, but the Spirit of God, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, you know, just salvation, these kind of things uh, is what this series is about. So it's going to go for several more weeks, so if, if you can, tune in uh, and hopefully you'll be blessed by it. Sometimes we already know something. I get that, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's nothing wrong with hearing it again and again and again, okay? And that's how faith comes. Matter of fact, Hebrews talks about we should give the more earnest heed to what we've already heard rather than always wanting to find something new. We always want a new doctrine. We always want a new prophecy, a new promise. There's plenty of them. The Bible's full of them, but he says reinforce what you already know. Okay, and so I'm sure many of these topics you've already heard about, you've heard taught, you've read about them, but you're going to hear about them again because that's how faith comes, okay? Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about water baptism. We're going to start off with Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Go back. All right, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, this is Jesus. This is Mark's version of the Great Commission, and he says unto them, He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, so we're talking about Jesus is getting ready to tell his disciples what to do. He's going to go, he's going to be crucified, he's going to, you know, or going to be resurrected. He's going to tell them, this is what you got to go do. He's already been resurrected at this point. We're going to go take the gospel to the world, to unbelievers, to people that haven't heard of it, don't know it. We're going to tell it to them. Verse 16, he that believeth, the gospel that you're going to go preach to him, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In Matthew's version, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Okay, so in both of the commissions, he tells them to preach the gospel and to baptize. Here, he says, believeth, the person that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Okay? You have to believe first for baptism to have a place in your walk. Okay? You have to believe first. Jesus confirms that by saying, he that believeth not shall be damned. Or judged. There's no mention of baptism, service, church, praying. It's apart from believing, baptism in context is vain. All right? That's probably not a shock to most people. Baptism in and of itself has no power. It's not going to do anything apart from believing. Okay? So he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Believing is what makes you the new creation in Christ Jesus. Believing is what 
is, 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 is acknowledging the redemptive work that Christ did, the work that you get credit for when you believe it and receive it, okay? That, that, that old nature is crucified. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're made in his image and in his likeness. That comes from believing, not baptism. However, Jesus ties baptism to an unbeliever's salvation. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now, we have always been scared, I think, or at least my experience, to tie any kind of work to salvation. Because then we begin to say, you earned it. Okay? But that's not what we're saying here. We're not saying that being baptized, you earn anything. Believing is what creates, makes you a new person. Believing. Baptism, baptism is just a work, but it's a work of faith. It's not a dead work. It's not something we made up, okay? It's not the works of the law. See, we hear scriptures like, no man is justified by the works of the law. No flesh is justified in his sight. And we read those and go, see, you can't, there's, you, you can't do anything. To, you're right. You can't do anything to earn it, including baptism. That's what Christ did. That's what we believe in. That's what does it. Baptism is no different than prayer or forgiving somebody or uh, you know, studying your word. Those are works. Those are works. Baptism is just a work that we are to do by faith. And Jesus ties it to salvation. Okay? If you recall... When Jesus got baptized, he wasn't being baptized because he was under the baptism of repentance. He wasn't in sin. He, he didn't have an issue. He said to John, who wanted him to baptize, you know, John wanted Jesus to baptize him. Jesus says, no, suffer it to be so. Let us fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, in his baptism, spoke of it as fulfilling all righteousness. It was righteous to be baptized, okay? And we're going to look at Jesus' baptism a little bit later, but just start with this. Jesus said that baptism was fulfilling all righteousness, okay? Go to the eunuch. We're going to go to the scripture and just show you in, in the word. This is the eunuch. He was a treasurer of the Ethiopian queen named Candace, and he was serving her, and they're on some kind of a, a mission. She must have been off doing something because he was in the chariot by himself reading the Bible at that time. He was reading Isaiah. Philip saw it and kind of felt prompted to go over there. And he goes over and says, you know what you're reading? You understand? And he goes, well, how can I except somebody explain it to me? And so Philip explains to him the gospel, explains to him what he's reading. And at the end, he says... And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? We have, the, the eunuch's instinct was to get baptized. Okay? When you receive the Lord, the intention, God's purpose is for you to get baptized 
as soon as possible. Okay? The eunuch's instinct was to get baptized. Go to the next verse. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So the eunuch believed that Christ was the son of God. That took care of his righteousness. That took care of him being a new creation. At that point, he wasn't trying to make something, create something. He had believed on the work of Jesus Christ. Next verse. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So now he believed and is baptized, and Jesus said he's saved. Okay, next verse. And at the end it says, they, they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Okay? He went on his way rejoicing. He was excited. Okay? So that was just an example to show you this is how it's supposed to work, okay? If, if, if you've been saved, if you've received the Lord and it's been 10 years and you haven't been baptized yet, that, that's fine. You can get baptized. It's just I'm just showing you that God's purpose and intent behind it was to get baptized as soon as possible, immediately, okay? <clears throat> All right, let's talk about a couple things, aspects about baptism. Baptism is about separation, Baptism is about separation. Baptism is about being baptized from something to something. You're being baptized from something here unto something over here. And there's a separation in between. Okay? So we'll look at a couple examples here. But you're being baptized from something to something. And God's purpose is that you never go back. Never. This is a permanent severance from this old place so that you can never go back. The children of Israel wanted to go back to the leeks and onions. Many times they wanted to go back, but they couldn't. God had cut it off. Okay? All right, so a couple examples is, we just mentioned it, the children of Israel, right? They had been delivered out of the land of Egypt, they had been delivered. God had sent the ten plagues. He, he overcame Pharaoh's hardness of heart. Pharaoh let them go, and they were marching behind Moses out of Egypt. They had been delivered from bondage. They came to the Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh's army after them. But they came to the Red Sea. God opens up the Red Sea. First thing, they, they pass through the Red Sea up on the other side. They went down into the water, passed through it, up out of the water unto Moses. So they were baptized from Egypt, from bondage, to Moses. And when the water collapsed back on the armies of Pharaoh, it drowned them, and the scripture says, these enemies you shall not see no more. Okay? And we'll, hopefully if I remember this, we'll go back and reference that again. But God had cut that, that route off. They couldn't go back. They couldn't go back to Egypt. Okay, another example is Jesus. We ref mentioned that he was baptized. Jesus, again, wasn't being baptized because of sin or anything. He was being baptized because he was, he, was a, he was at a point in his life where he was transitioning from 
a, 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 his life of training and preparation to his destiny. And baptism was this pivot point where he went from one to the other. And so he was being separated from preparation and training to destiny. And he was never going to go back. He went on to obviously be crucified for us and, and resurrect and provide redemption for us. He never went back to that time in his life. So it was a work of righteousness. He was fulfilling righteousness, but he was transitioning from a life of preparation to his destiny. Okay? He, he, he went down into the water, passed through, came up out of the water on the other side. Preparation over here, destiny over here. And he was never going to go back. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him like a dove, and it remained on him. And God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He fulfills all righteousness. I'm happy with him. Spirit of God descend. He goes off into the wilderness and, and in, in the 40-day fast, he's tempted, and his ministry continues on from there. He never did no miracles before that point. He never healed nobody, never turned water into wine, never, never did nothing. He prepared. He trained. He, 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 he would go into the temple and sit with scribes and Pharisees and doctors and, and experts of the law and, and, and question them and answer questions and, and listen to what they had to say. Okay? That's what he did. For his time. And it says he grew in wisdom and in stature. God was preparing him. And when it was time to leave that season, he left to never go back. Okay? So that's an example of separation. Baptism separates permanently. Okay? The children of Israel wanted to go back, but they couldn't. All right? How were they ever going to get back? It's like the Pacific Ocean in front of them. How do you get back? Okay? You can't. So in a way, God never gave them the opportunity to go back. Okay? This is what baptism does. The second thing, separation, is identification. You could probably wrap into this, you know, uh, you know we, we, we uh, uh, represent death, burial, and resurrection. But it's identification. You come up on the other side, and you now identify with this new life, this new beginning. For the children of Israel, it was Moses. He went through before them, came up on the other side, and as they came up out of the water, there's Moses to greet them. Okay, and so they, they identified now with Moses. They identified now with, I'm, I'm a child of God. We're, we're being taken to the promised land. We're not in bondage no more. We're going to a place of milk and honey. Okay? And so that's what they identified with. Okay, with, G, with us, we get baptized. Okay, you come up, Jesus has already been baptized. He, filled, he fulfilled all righteousness. Now we follow and we come up on the other side and now we're Christians. We're believers. And, and God's gonna take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's how we identify with righteousness. And, and we start to become sensitive to you know, our actions. And we, we're, we're believers now. We're not who we used to be, okay? So these are just some things about baptism in general to help characterize it. 
Okay, go to the next scripture. So now, let's talk about baptism according to how Peter presented it to us. And, in, at, the, and at the end of chapter 3, in verse 20, you can read a few verses up to get context, but he says, which sometime were disobedient, talking about the people back in the, the flood, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Okay? So it says that eight souls were saved by water. So Noah, the ark was a-preparing. I believe that the ark, if you don't believe this, that's fine. It, it's not going to, it's not a big deal. I believe that the ark is being prepared is the resurrection of Christ. Because they could not get into that ark until it was ready. Okay? And you can't believe on Christ until the work was completed. Until it was ready. All right? We can obviously believe now. But they could not get into the ark until it was prepared. But they got into the ark when it was done. They believed. That's believing. They got into the ark. The ark in, the, in this situation is the real hero. The ark is the real savior because had they not got into the ark, they would have perished like everybody else. Okay, because Jesus said, you believe and are baptized, you'll be saved. But if you believe not, you're damned. Had they not got in the ark, they would have perished like everybody else. Okay? So they got into the ark, that's believing, and the Bible says that they were saved by water. They were saved by water. That word saved, it means basically the same thing as sozo, which is all the, other, all the times you see and uh, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with your mouth you'll be saved, that's sozo. Okay, that word has a myriad of meanings in the Old Testament, I mean New Testament, in context. It can mean anything from being healed to being uh, put into, uh, you know, taken from danger to, to being born again to being uh, spared the wrath of God to come uh, during, you know, the book of Revelation. It, it has a wide, re this word is mainly restricted to being carried away from danger to safety. Okay? And so... In the story of Noah's Ark, they were saved by water. The Ark is the real Savior, but the water carried them from a place of judgment where God poured out his wrath to a place of a new beginning. When the water receded, the Ark landed, and they got out, and they built an altar to God, worshiped, and God started over. A new beginning. Okay? So this is how Peter describes it in verse 20. Let's, let's look at another couple examples. This, you see this same thing in Egypt. We'll go back to Egypt, right? They came out, they delivered out of bondage. Here they are at the Red Sea. They're not out of danger yet. They, they were not slaves anymore, but they were not out of danger yet because Pharaoh's army chased after them again. So at the Red Sea, they are baptized, carried away from danger to safety on the other side. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Pharaoh's army pursued them. They were separated from Egypt, danger, Pharaoh and his army, to the other side, unto Moses, unto redemption, 
and to start a journey to the, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they couldn't go back. Okay? All right. I think the next one is, let's look at an example of this. Acts 27, 43. So at the, in, in this chapter, Paul has been taken prisoner, and he's on a ship with some other prisoners, and this ship wrecks, and it breaks in half. The back end breaks off. Okay? And the other crew wanted to kill the prisoners. And Paul, it says here, but the centurion, willing, he was like the captain, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. In other words, he kept them from killing Paul. And it says, and he commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. So the centurion says, hey, if you can swim, everybody just jump in and save yourself. Because you can swim. But there was another group, go to the next verse, there was some of the other ones that couldn't swim. And so what they did was they jumped on pieces of the ship and pieces of boards to get to land because they couldn't swim. So the board or the piece of ship that they jumped on was like the ark. Okay? It's what kept them afloat, but the water is what swept them or carried them to shore where they could get off to safety. They were, they were carried away from the danger of a sinking ship and not being able to swim to the safety of shore. Okay? Because of those pieces of wood. So that's another example of where it says they escaped all safe to land. That's that word. So what, what Noah's, the, the story with Noah did was it was the carrying them from the place where God poured out. See, the earth was still a dangerous place. You didn't want to be on the earth because it was being flooded. So, the, so, so the, the, the water separated them from the earth and carried them to this new place of a new beginning. Okay? All right, go to the next verse. All right, no, 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 no. Yeah, go to the next one. Sorry. So now, let's look at baptism today. So in verse 20, Peter talks about how baptism or the flood was a type of baptism with Noah. And now in verse 21, he says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Those dots, there is a phrase, a couple phrases in parentheses. And so we took it out so that you could just read this scripture in sequence uh, in, in, in without kind of getting distracted by the parentheses. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptisms only has effect because of the resurrection of Christ. Just like the water in the flood didn't kill him because of the ark. Okay? So he's just reiterating here that in a New Testament sense and basically saying that this, in the same manner that Noah was saved by the water, baptism today saves us by the resurrection of Christ. Okay? All right. Go to the next one. So now he says, this is the phrase that was in parentheses. So now you just read it. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. So he says that baptism saves us today like it did Noah then, but it's nothing to do with the putting away of the filth of the flesh. That's what believing did. 
believing did that. So he said, baptism ain't got nothing to do with cleaning you. It ain't got nothing to do with making you righteous. It don't have nothing to do with any of that. That's what believing, that's what believing in Christ did. This is just a work of faith. He said, what's, what, what's effectual about baptism is with the conscience. The answer of a good conscience toward God. So see, there's something happens in baptism. Baptism has a purpose. It's not just something that we go do. God doesn't do anything with no purpose. I, I don't know if it was a song we were singing, what, but there was a verse, I, I heard this phrase. And it was when, it, oh, so the beginning when that guy was running across the mountain. And he said, that it, it, he referenced a scripture where Paul says, I don't beat aimlessly into the air. God does nothing without purpose. I don't care how trivial and how menial it may seem in your life, there's a purpose for everything that happens. I don't care if it seems like it, it's nothing. What's the point? God has a point. He's trying to accomplish something in your life, and stuff that happens in your life is not by accident. And baptism is not a vain work. Something happens when you are baptized. Okay? Has nothing to do with cleanliness and righteousness. It has to do with your conscience. Okay? So let's look at a. I, I didn't. I have. I, Rob, maybe pull up 1 Corinthians 8 5. And we'll, he says he can do it on the fly now. We'll test it. See what happens. Okay. So your conscience is a part of your immaterial makeup. I'm saying that because I don't know exactly where it is, right? But it's a part of your immaterial, the spiritual part of you, that either warns you when you're getting ready to do wrong or convicts you when you do do wrong. Okay? That's what it does. And it means co-perception. Okay, so you'll, hear, you'll read scriptures where Paul says, my conscience bears witness. That's what he's, he's, he's referring to, that his conscience is bearing witness to, and in those verses it says, bears witness in the Holy Ghost. That what the Holy Ghost is saying, his conscience is saying it too. Okay, so your, your conscience, it, it, it's like it per perceives. Okay, it perceives, but it perceives based upon what you believe. And that's why I wanted to ask if you could pull this up. So in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul is, is, is ministering to some people that there's a debate about eating food or meat sacrificed to idols. And Paul says, for there be, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. Next. again oh if you can go down to verse 7 I think hopefully that's it okay he says but unto us there is but one God so he goes even though there's people think there's many gods and they're all over the place he said to us there's just one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we by him and in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things, yada, yada. Um, next verse. Oh, there it is. How be it there is not in every man that knowledge. 
He said not everybody knows that and believes that. So there are some, he's saying, what I know is that there's just one God. He said, what you think is that there's many gods, and these idols are some of those gods. And so in the next verse, he says, uh, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. There's a couple things we want to note. Number one, they believed that those idols were something, that they had some power, they were somewhere alive, they, had, they were deity of some kind, and Paul said, no, they're just wood and stone, this little statue, that's all they are. There's only one God. But they didn't believe that. They didn't think that. That isn't what they heard. That isn't what they were taught. They, they lived, they were Gentiles, okay? They were carnal. And so they had all kinds of false gods and statues and idols that they did. And so they believed after they got saved, after they had received the Lord, Paul came preaching the gospel. They still thought this. But Paul says, no, it's not true. There's one God. And so, but look, he says, they eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. So when they ate, they thought they were eating food that was honoring an idol. And it says their, their conscience being weak is defiled. So first of all, your conscience can evolve as you learn truth. Because right now their conscience thinks that idol is something when in reality it's not. But because they think it is, the Bible calls their conscience weak because it warns and convicts of something that's not true. And then when they go against it, their conscience is defiled. Okay? So, yeah, so it's weak based on a lie. So you, you, you defile your conscience when you violate it. And when, then the more you violate your conscience over and over and over again, Timothy says that you can sear it as with a hot iron. Okay? So to sear means to cauterize or like brand, like you'd brand a cow. Okay, you, you destroy the sensitivity in the nerves when you cauterize something. You don't feel it no more. So now I can be poking myself. How many of y'all had a wisdom tooth or something pulled out and your lip feels like it's about this big? And they're sitting here poking and doing all this and you don't feel none of it. That's because your sensitivity to the pain is gone. I mean, until the, the medicine was off. But when your conscience is seared, your sensitivity to wrong is gone. And so it's easy to do. Okay? So your conscience can evolve as you, as you learn truth. It can be seared. And it convicts and warns you of wrongdoing. So in this scripture in Peter, he says that it's about a good conscience toward God. Paul would always say, or not always say, but he said a lot, that he tried to have a conscience that was void of offense. Meaning that he didn't offend people, he tried. Okay, there were some people that were just going to be offended. But what Paul was trying to say is, I'm not going to offend you if I can help it. And I certainly don't want to offend God. And so he said, I'm trying to keep my conscience void of offense. So that his conscience, so that he doesn't have any outstanding offense that he has to deal with. He always wanted to stay right with people and with God. Okay? That's why he would say when in Rome, you know, he'd talk about when in Rome, be like the Romans. And he would sit there and describe, well, when I'm with these people, I do this. And when I'm with these people, I do that. Because if he went in there and just did any kind of thing, and he would offend that culture. 
So he would say, I'm not trying to do that. I want them to hear me. So I'm going to come in here and kind of be like you as much as I can. I'll dress like you and, and I'll partake of your customs that don't violate the word of God. Because he was trying to stay not offensive to people or unoffensive to people. So this is, what, this is the effect of baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. So when you're water baptized, this work of faith, your conscience is delivered or it's like, it's, it's like the purging process for your conscience. You go from a place of danger to a place of a new beginning in your conscience. Jesus delivered you and made you righteous, but in your conscience, you still have a perception of your past and all that happened in your past and all that went along with that and the fear and the regret. You, that still is there to overtake you like the children of Israel in Egypt. And so God separated them from Egypt, and in, and in water baptism, it separates your conscience from your past to the present. Amen. From an old place of danger and judgment, in this case, we could say fear, regret, uh, you know, whatever, it, it, to a place, a new place. Amen. I will read, let me see if I can, um, before they go, maybe I'll... Uh, let me just shush. Uh, okay, if you can go to Hebrews 9 and Yeah, we'll just start here and then I'll read the other one. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 9. It's talking about the old covenant sacrifices and goats and the blood sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. And he says, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Okay, and I w actually what I wanted was... Maybe that's not the one. Anyway, maybe that's not the one, and we'd be going on a rabbit trail. We don't have time. But it says that, the re that what it did was it didn't purge the conscience, and so every year after that, throughout the year, you still had a remembrance of sin. Right. And so baptism purges your conscience. It purges your conscience so you don't have a remembrance of everything in your past. So that you can come up on the other side and start with a clean slate and begin to let the Lord shape your perception. Not of Egypt, but of the promised land. Amen. And of him. And of his provision. And of his faithfulness. And of his goodness. Because we still, and, 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 our, and our conscience still perceives in the past. Baptism separates that so that you can't go back. Something really happens in baptism. It's not just a corny little thing we do where we come up and, you know, and then go out to eat afterwards. Something really happens when you're baptized. Okay? Hebrews 10 and 2. 
Okay, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, this is verse one, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So the people that brought all those sacrifices, it was saying, it's not making you perfect. You come year after year after year. The amount of times you come don't matter. He said it doesn't make you perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. We'd keep doing it if it did, right? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Okay, God is wanting to purge your conscience so you can be separated from the continual memory of your past. You're a new creation, but he's trying to wipe all of that memory free so that he can now shape it in him and his faithfulness. Okay? So I want to encourage you. If you've been baptized but it's been a long time, or, 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 or if you were baptized, you didn't really know what you were doing, or you, you just, you know, somebody wanted you to do it, and you just did it because you didn't want to fuss, I would encourage you to do it again. If you haven't been baptized, I certainly would encourage you to do it. But if you've, done, if you've already been baptized, I would encourage you to do it so you can do it in faith. Okay? We have uh, uh, baptismal services here. I don't know when the next one's coming. There you go, April 11th. We're going to have one. You got plenty of time. Pray and ask the Lord if you should get baptized again. Okay? I would encourage that. If you haven't been at all, I would encourage it. Because God's purpose was for you to get baptized immediately after. Because otherwise, you're trying to walk with God with a conscience that's still tied to your past. And He needs your conscience cleared. So if it's been 15 years and you've not been baptized, that's okay. Just get baptized, but do it in faith, okay? All right, we're done. Let's pray real quick, and then if the prayer team would come up, if you have something that you need help with, and it don't have to be with baptism, if it is, great, but if not, anything, please come up. Come up. Okay, come up. We'll pray. We'll pray with you. And we'll, we'll, if, if it can't be solved right there, because sometimes you can come up and, and just a word of wisdom or, or some, a different perspective, we'll solve it. But if not, at least God will start the process of you recovering from that situation. Okay? All right, Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy that follows us all the days of our lives. Your mercy and, and, and your mercy is new every morning. And Lord, we know you love us. We thank you that you love us. And God, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help our faithfulness. Lord, help us being fickle, that we can't commit to something, that we can't stay with it. Lord, you, your goodness leads a man to repentance. And so, God, help us love like you and just decide we're going to be in it for the long haul. Help us to love people like you love us. And so, God, I thank you. Help us to be kind while we do it. And so, Lord, I thank you for those in here that, that, that have a struggle, have a question. They're wrestling with something. Lord, I please, I pray that they would come up. But in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that you spoke to us. And uh, again, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.